We're going to be in First uh, Peter chapter one, verses three through five. I want to read those verses for us today. First Peter chapter one, verses three through five. It says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade." This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to re be revealed in this last time. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and it's powerful and it's active. I thank you, God, for what it can do to our lives if we will just believe it, if we will just trust it, if we will follow what it says. I just pray that, God, you would give me your words to say today, that we would better and clearly understand what we get if we have you in our lives and what we're missing if we don't have Give me your words to say, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So every once in a while, I send out an email and I ask you for answers because I want to use them on a Sunday morning for questions. And I almost did that. Uh, at the start of the week, I came up with a question and I will ask it to you in just a moment. Uh, but I thought, you know what, it might be too personal for some people to want to answer um, out loud. So you can think about this, but only for a few moments. Please don't spend the whole service thinking about this unless you come to the conclusion, uh, the right conclusion. So the question that I have is, how would your life be different if you didn't have Jesus? If Jesus was not in your life today, what would your life look like? Now, it's easy to say, you know what, if I didn't have Jesus, I wouldn't be here today. I'd have... I'd be doing different activities, right? It's a gorgeous day. I can't remember the last day I was, last time I was on an Easter Sunday that looked like it did outside. And there's a hundred different things you could be doing if you didn't have Jesus in your life today. You might have different plans for your life. Your life might have gone a totally different direction. I might live in a different town, have a different job, have a different message, uh, marriage, have a different who knows whatever else you can come up with if you did not have Jesus in your life. And I can tell you my life would look a lot different if I did not have Jesus in it. You know, obviously I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't be in a church trying to tell you, that you about Jesus if I didn't have him in my own life. But honestly, I don't think I would be alive if I did not have Jesus in my life. Not because <clears throat> I had a bad life. My, my whole life I knew my parents loved me. I always knew that I could go and talk to them. I've been healthy for, I was healthy for the first 41 and a half years of my life, unless it was self-inflicted, right? I got scars all over my body, self-inflicted. I got stitches, you know, all over my body. Um, I've been dirt poor, but I never had financial crisis, and I've never really had enemies to speak of. But without Jesus, my life would look a lot different. I just, you know, we all make, have decisions, and we all face the consequences of those decisions, and sometimes we don't like where it's going and what we're going to have to deal with. And how much easier would it be to just say, I'm done. I'm done with life. And I'm, I'm one of those guys without Jesus who would have took the easy way out. I, I would have just said, I can't handle conflict. I can't handle where, whatever consequences I was going to walk myself into. And I would have said, that's it. So today, I want to be focusing on what our life is like with Jesus. We have benefits. And we're going to see three different benefits we have if we have Jesus in our life, uh, the first one is a living hope. The second is imperishable inheritance, and a secure salvation is number three. Now, if you look at that as an acronym, which I'm not, I'm just looking here, and I say we have hope, we have inheritance, 
And we have salvation. What does that word spell? H-I-S. Right? It spells His. You know, and these, we have these benefits because of what He did, of what God did. These are His benefits to us if we have put our faith in Jesus. Because without Jesus, I really don't know how people make it through life. You know, I, I just don't know. I, I just think of the heartaches and the, the things that people go through, that if you don't have Jesus, how do you make it? But with Jesus, we do have the ability to make it through what life brings us. The first thing, the first benefit that we get if we have put our faith in Jesus, and because of his resurrection from the dead, is that we get a living hope. It says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because he has risen, he has risen indeed, we have this hope. It's a living hope. It's real. It's active. It's powerful. It's not something that just happened one time and I hope it affects me now. This is a continuous power that we have access through through Jesus. And this hope, it means like a joyful expectation or confidence. You know, Peter, as he's writing in verse chapter 1, verse 1, it says, To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, to these people all over the place. Peter is saying, we have a living and active hope. And if anybody knows this hope is real, it's going to be Peter, because Peter is one of those disciples who did everything. You know, he's the guy who disowned Jesus three times and said, I don't know him. He's the guy who knew Jesus had died on the cross. He's the one of the two disciples who rushed to the empty tomb to see that Jesus had, in fact, risen from the dead. He personally saw and he touched Jesus. And he saw Jesus ascend into heaven. We looked at that in Acts chapter 1. We saw him, Jesus, ascend into heaven. Peter was one of those disciples. So if he knows anything at this point in his life, he knows that Jesus is alive. He knows that he has a living hope. Death only had a temporary victory for three days, but it did not have the ultimate victory because Jesus defeated death. We have, and Peter has, a living hope. We have the same hope today. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We have a living hope. We're expecting him to come back because he's alive. Peter knows that. We know that. A dead hope is no hope at all, right? And Jesus is living. He came once. He's going to come back again. We have something to look forward to. We have a joyful expectation or confidence that at some point, sooner hopefully rather than later, Jesus is going to come back. And it's not based off of some, somebody's opinion. It's based off the fact of what the scripture says about Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus rising again. With Jesus, we have hope. What about those people without Jesus? What do they have? Anybody here think they have hope? Well, they could have, based off a definition, they could have hope. They could have a joyful or confident expectation. Right? They can have the hope that something's going to happen, but they don't have any kind of foundation to stand on. They don't have anything 
to take to the bank. They don't know for sure. All it really amounts to for them is wishful thinking. It's based off of circumstances. You know, if you think about everyday life, uh, being hopeful is, is just uh, wishful thinking based off of circumstances. I hope that it's going to rain. There's nothing telling that it's going to rain. I hope that I get an A in my class. I hope that my wife feels better. I hope that I get to keep Maui, right? But I have nothing to base that on. But my, so their, their hope is just a wishy-washy, wishful thinking that something's going to take place. And when it comes to heaven, all they can do is wish. All they can do is have a hope that something takes place. They, for example, they might hope that they're good enough to get to heaven, that their goods outweigh their bads. You know, I, as long as I'm better than Marcy, I'm covered, right? As long as I'm better than Dale, I've got to be okay. And that's how people do. We just compare ourselves with others. I think I'm, I'm, I'm better than the average. Some people hope that because they were baptized, they're going to heaven. Some people hope that everybody gets to go, right? Isn't that a hope that some people have? We're all God's children. We all get to go to heaven. God loves us. He wouldn't send anybody to hell. And people without hope don't have hope, and their hope is false. It's wishful thinking. At some point when they die, it is going to let them down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.13, it says, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. This is one of those famous passages about Christ's return. And he says, the average person out there who doesn't have Jesus, when their loved one dies, they have no hope whatsoever of seeing that person again. They can have wishful thinking that, hey, we're going to go party in hell, or that everybody gets to go to heaven, but they don't have that confidence that they're going to see that person again. They do not have hope. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, this is what Peter say, or this is what uh, Paul is saying. This is what you guys were like without Christ. You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizen in Israel, foreigners to the covenant, without hope and without God in this world. The people without God in our world out there, or if there's somebody in here without God in your life today, you are without hope. You are with wish, wishy-washy, hoping something works out, but it's not the confident expectation that God wants you to have. So those with, that, with Jesus have what? Hope. Those without Jesus have no hope. Number two, benefit number two, is an imperishable inheritance. It's actually verse four. So I'm going to read verses three through four. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. <laughs> and those with Jesus have this inheritance. You know, you, once you put your faith in Jesus, you become part of God's family. And as such, you receive an inheritance from God. And it's referring to the kingdom of God when Christ returns. And it says that this inheritance is never going to perish. It's never going to be destroyed. It's never going to get old and wear out. It's never going to be attacked. It's never going to be defeated. It's never going to go out of style. It's going to be there perfect forever and ever. Now I've told you guys that Noah got his driving permit on Tuesday. And we finally started driving on Thursday. 
And we, yep, and he's still here. I'm still here. Um, <laughs> you know, and Noah did a good job. We don't have any extra scratches or any extra dents in our car with a pickup for, for that. But, you know, if Noah bought a brand new car, and he wants to, he wants a car that can drive by itself, and he wants, like, super duper nice, and he's going to get that car someday. I, I just imagine it because that's how, the kind of drive that he has. But if he gets that car and he drives it brand new style for years upon years, guess what's going to happen to that car at some point? It's going to fall apart, right? It is just not going to last forever. But your inheritance in heaven is never going to fade. I was talking to, uh, I think it was Anita yesterday, because we went out there with Noah driving, talking about foster kids and you put them in the corner because you can't do a whole lot. And Mally, she, she yells and she stomps up and down and, Thankfully, she doesn't do what Anita says, and that's the kid that was kicking holes in the wall. You know, I'm mad, I'm in the corner, this is what I'm going to do. Heaven's not going to do that. It's not going to wear out. It's not going to need to be repainted. It's not going to fall apart. The windows are not going to get broken. It is never going to perish. It's never going to spoil. You know, spoil is something bad. You're never going to have sin in heaven. There's never going to be a time when you're walking down the streets and you've got to be afraid about who's around the next corner about what's coming down the road, because it's going to be perfect. There's going to be no crime. Wouldn't you like to live in a world like that? No crime. And I know that in Plevna, I haven't seen one act of crime that I can think of in four years. But I know all around the world, you get crime everywhere. There's going to be no police. There's, they're not going to have a job. They're going to get to heaven and twiddle their thumbs because there's absolutely nothing for them to do. So it's never going to perish, it's never going to spoil, it's never going to fade. It's never going to be subject to decay. You know, like I said, the paint's not going to chip off the walls. But think about the things that we have in this earth. You guys can think of something like this and you can go home and, and just ponder how this isn't going to last. But in Matthew 6.19, it talks about moth and rust destroying. It talks about thieves breaking in and stealing. Not so when in heaven. It's imperishable. It's untouchable. Nobody else can take it. In, uh, in Revelation chapter 22, I'll just read these first couple of verses about a little bit about what heaven's like. And it doesn't give much of a description. It's going to be so much better than what we even have here. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, The angel showed me the river of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. You have this crystal clear river. You have the tree of life on both sides. You're getting 12 different kinds of fruit. And that's just like one little piece of what heaven's like. If you want to know what the city looks like a little bit, read Revelation chapter 21. And it's going to be imperishable, untouchable, unhurtable. But you also get something called a new body when you get to heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2 talks about this, about this body that you're going to get if you have Jesus. It says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not by human hands. This is what your body's going to be looking like. I mean, look at a tent. How many here, as kids, you like to go camping in a tent? Right? You were happy to sleep on the ground. It was no big deal. You get your sleeping bag out there. You go out wherever, and it's totally fine. And then you get a little older, you say, I want some cushion on the ground, right? We have a tent trailer, and I'm like, I'm not even sure that's going to work anymore. 
You know, I want a bed where I go, and I want a bathroom, and I want my TV, and I want electricity, right? Because that earthly tent, at some point, is going to wear out. It's going to become unuseful to you. And this is kind of the difference between what your earthly body is and what your heavenly body is. You're getting a brand new body that's made for heaven. It's going to be the difference between night and day, between this crummy kid tent and this beautiful city. That's what you're going to get, and that itself is never going to wear out as well. And it's kept in heaven for you. It's just waiting for you to get there. Now, don't get there very quickly, please. But it's getting there. It's set there waiting for you to get. And who's preparing this place for us? I mean, who's going to, who's building this great big city that we get to be a part of? Who's giving us our own room? It's Jesus, right? And, and uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 and 3, it says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Right? Jesus is there. I mean, if it's, it's not my craftsmanship that we're going to go up and hope last for a few years. This is Jesus' perfect craftsmanship that's going to last for all eternity. It is imperishable. It is going to last forever. What about those without Jesus? What do they get? Do they get an inheritance? Do they really get anything? Um, the only thing that they are getting, talks about in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, it says they are storing up wrath for themselves. You know, every day goes by, I'm just storing up a little bit more wrath. Because every day we sin, even me, I think something I'm not supposed to, or I say something I'm not supposed to, or I, I don't do something that I'm supposed to. All they're doing is just heaping it up, just a little bit more wrath every single day. That's the only thing they're storing up for themselves. Without Jesus is a terrible place to be. You do not want that in your life. You want to have Jesus. So those with Jesus have a living hope. Those without Jesus have no hope. Those with Jesus, with Jesus have an imperishable inheritance. Those without Jesus have no inheritance, unless you call wrath an inheritance. Benefit number three is a secure salvation. Let me read verses 3 through 5. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. It says your salvation is shielded. You think about a couple different ways that you can look at this. You can look at this as nobody's getting in or nobody's getting out. You know, you have a military guard that's surrounding a city, or the capital, or a country, or a castle, and you say, it's super guarded so that no enemy's going to creep in whatsoever. Sometimes on earth that happens, though, right? Somebody's able to sneak in or, or bribe somebody and get in there and get to the enemy that they want to get to. But with God, it's 100% protection. Your salvation is that guaranteed. Nothing is going to penetrate that wall to get in. But it also works that nobody gets out. Because sometimes in the Bible there would be people who would surround a city and they would besiege that city until finally they broke down the walls and they would kill everybody inside. Nobody was going to escape. Now in modern day world, if we had a town of Plevna under siege, probably one or two people would get away. But when it comes to your salvation, it's, it's, it's such a solid wall. Nothing is going to get out. Nothing's going to keep this from escaping. Your salvation is that secure. 100% foolproof. 
John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. God, or Jesus has them in his hand. No one's going to take them out of Jesus' hand. If you have salvation, it is yours. It is not, it cannot be taken away. I can't even snatch myself out of God's hand. And I realize there's a lot of debate about people losing their salvation and they made a profession of faith when they were a kid and now what are they doing? They're not walking with the Lord. Are they really saved? We can't judge that, but I'm basing my faith off of these verses. This is, I can't snatch myself out of God's hand. No one else can snatch them out of my hands. And 1 John 5, 3 says, you may know that you have eternal life. This isn't a wishy-washy, I'm hoping and wishful thinking I have it. This is a confidence thing that I know that I have eternal life. It is that secure. It's that wall that nothing's going to get in. I'm going to sleep good at night because I have that wall protecting me. And you know the verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. This isn't my idea of saying eternal life, that who knows? This is God's view of eternal life, saying it's forever. And we have that because the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You think if God guarantees you something, he's going to go back on his word? He's going to say, nope, I don't want that anymore. I've changed my mind. No, he says this is the way it's going to be. It is going to happen. There's nothing you're going to do. We have the seal to the Holy Spirit living inside of us that says this is how it's going to be. Your salvation is very, very secure. I have that. I have Jesus in my life. I have hope. But what about those without Jesus? Do they have a secure salvation? The only thing that they have is the potential for a secure spot in hell. It says their, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. When you die and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you go to hell, and it's there forever. That's not an inheritance. That's not salvation. That's not somewhere you want to go. It says that these without Jesus will go to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Everybody's going to live forever. My wife was telling me this statistic that she heard on a message this morning because she's not listening to this, was one out of one people, one, one out of one are going to die. Right? Nobody's going to get away without like, okay, 80% of the people are going to, but 20% are going to sneak away. Like 100% of us at some point are going to die. We are going to stand before God. There's not going to be anybody who, who somehow sneaks away. We're all going to stand before God. And I hope that we are ready because the option of, opposite of heaven is hell. And you don't want to go there. Matthew 25, 46. It says, Then he will say to those who is left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, to the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's why hell was created. It was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. That's why they got to have a place to go because they're not going to be in heaven. But that's where everybody else is going to go if they don't know Jesus. So what they're doing without God is they're trying to secure a spot in hell. But they don't have to. Nobody has to secure their spot in hell. As long as you're living and breathing, you can secure your spot in heaven. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8-9 says that God is patient with you, not wanting anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. He doesn't want this little one going to hell. He doesn't want this 92, 98-year-old person going to hell that never had nothing to do with them. Think about the thief on the cross. 
minutes before he died, says, hey, I want this. And God says, I'm going to accept that. He's patient. He wants everybody to come to him. So those people without Jesus are securing a spot in hell, but they don't have to go there unless they refuse while they're living to accept Jesus as their Savior. So, so who's going to be the one to tell them that they're, they're on their way to hell? Who's the one who tells them about the living hope, about the salvation that can be secured, about that inheritance that they can have for all eternity? I want you just to think about this, with and without, with Jesus, without Jesus. Those with Jesus have a living hope. That's what I have. I have a living hope. Jesus is alive. He's coming back. I have a confident expectation that I am going to heaven when I die. Those without Jesus have no hope. All they have is wishful thinking that everybody gets to go, that my good deeds were enough. Those without, with Jesus have an imperishable inheritance. It's heaven. You're going to get to stay there forever. It's never going to fade. It's never going to be anything wrong with it. But those without Jesus have no inheritance. Unless you count hell as such. Those with Jesus have a secure salvation. You can have confidence that I'm going there when I die because I have Jesus. Those without Jesus, they have no secure salvation. They have no salvation whatsoever. But remember, the way is there for them to have salvation. So I want to ask you, where are you at? We have this really beautiful opportunity to have Jesus, and we have this choice to say, I don't want Jesus. Are you secure with Jesus? Do you have salvation in Jesus? And you say, yes, Josh, I know that hope. Or you're saying, I really don't have that hope. And I hope if you're here, you say, I don't have that hope, that you say, I don't like what you're telling me. I don't like the thought of where I'm going to go if I don't have Jesus. It's very, very simple. Today is Easter Sunday. Jesus died on the cross on Friday. He rose again today so that we can have eternal life. All we have to do is to admit that we have done things wrong. And I think everybody here can say, yes, I've done something wrong. I've lied, I've stole, I've cheated, whatever. I've done something wrong. But we know God says that I can't let anybody who is not perfect into heaven. And on my own, I cannot get there. And he says the wages of sin is death. It's hell, separation from God forever. But God loves you and says, you know what, Anita? I want you in heaven with me, just like I want that crummy preacher up in heaven with me, right? And so I'm going to die on the cross on Easter Sunday, or, or the Good Friday, and rise again on Easter Sunday so that Josh and Anita and whoever else can have eternal life. If you will just ask me for it. If you'll just confess your need that you need Jesus and ask him for it, he'll give you salvation. So since it's Easter Sunday, since we're talking so much about the gospel, I want to just pray and give you an opportunity to, to pray the simple prayer. You don't have to tell me. I wish you do if you do. But I'm not going to make you come forward or anything like that. But I want you to know that you have a secure salvation. If you don't, today's a beautiful day to make it right with Jesus. And then we'll close in prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I have done wrong things. I know that if I compared the right and the good in my life with the bad things in my life, that I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to you. Because I've done one thing wrong, I cannot go to heaven. I'm sorry, God, for the things that I've done wrong that I shouldn't have done. And I'm asking you to please forgive me. I'm trusting you to give me eternal life so that I can live in heaven with you forever. I just trust you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And really, it's that simple. It's not any magical words. 
It's just telling Jesus what he already knows, that you're a sinner and you're trusting him to save you. If you have any questions or thoughts, I'm always available on the phone, through an email, through a text, and I'd like to talk with you if you'd like that.